0: Are you busy? I imagine you are. Most people who listen to these podcasts, well, they like to the podcast because they can listen on the go, because they are going, because they are busy. The title of the podcast is Nine Tips for Managing Your Life and Your Calendar. Did you know that every year we reach hundreds of thousands of lives globally? This year, we will reach over 1 million individuals with the practical gospel of Jesus Christ. We help these people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. That is our mission statement. Through the written resources, audio broadcast, equipping videos and interactive forums, the Lord is impacting lives through this ministry. Will you partner with us to help continue this fantastic gospel adventure? You may donate or you may become a supporting member of our community by going to our website and the information is there. For as little as $5 each month, you can provide practical tools for hurting souls. You can help people by supporting this ministry. If you are a local church, will you support our missional endeavors around the globe We are cyber missionaries. We have been going into every country in the world for many years now. Local church pastor, leader, will you help support us? Whatever you can give to this ministry will change many lives. I want to get into this idea, and again, you can read this entire podcast on our website, Nine Tips for Managing Your Life and Calendar I want to enter into these nine tips by telling you a true story. The phone rang. Lucia, my wife, picked it up, but did not answer the caller. She handed it to me because Lucia knew two things. This was 20 years ago. She knew that it was probably about work, thing number one, And thing number two, she knew that my profession, I was uh, on staff at a local church heading up the counseling ministry, and she knew that my profession was more important than her, that my profession was more important than our child. That was the night it dawned on me that we had a problem in our marriage. I had centered my priorities around what I did with work rather than what I was supposed to be doing with those the Lord had entrusted to my innermost care, meaning my wife, my children, or in this case, future children. I had a twisted understanding of the teaching in Matthew 6:33. You know the verse of Scripture. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you but rather than seeking the kingdom of god first which is exemplified by loving god and others more than my job the two greatest commandments if you get those down loving god and loving others more than anything else you will be seeking the kingdom of god first and god said or jesus said in this text that all these other things where shall i where shall i live what shall i eat what shall i wear these things will be added to you if you'll take care of the first things first. But I had become a Gentile practitioner. These are the things that the Gentiles do worry about what they shall eat, where they shall live, what they shall wear. I was seeking the things of this world first. While expecting the good Lord to provide me with happy relationships, <laughs> guess what? My plan was falling around my ankles and the Lord used a phone call from a guy. His name was Rick, by the way. He was the most important person in my life, and typically that's how it is. I have temporary friends. I have friends who want my attention. They want my time, and they want it for a season, and Rick was my new best friend. Well, I realized that night I needed a new game plan. Though Our desire has always been to love, on and care for people. Talking about our, Rick and Lucia. I did not perceive how my good desire was leading me off track. It was time for a reorientation of my priorities. Now perhaps your time management needs a tweak as mine did. Maybe you are a bit more frenetic in your pace of life than you need to be. Maybe people have more control of your calendar than you do. If so, these nine tips are for you. I want you to consider them. I would love for you to implement them into your time management practices. Now, when I get down to the ninth tip, I'm going to break it out into even more practical ideas that you can implement immediately into your life. Let's get into these nine tips. Again, if you want to read this article, the three other articles that are embedded here, watch the video, look at the infographic, go to this article, nine tips for managing your life and calendar. Tip number one, time. We all have the same amount of time. There are 24 hours in a day. There are seven days in a week. There are 168 hours in a week. And there are no exceptions to this rule. The issue should never be about too little time, but always about whether we are going to take control of our lives by stewarding our time well. One of the ironies of busyness is that some of the busiest people in the world have more time to accomplish more things than those who do less. One of the earmarks of time managers is they know how to manage their lives the, the busiest people are the ones who get the most done because they know how to manage their time well. You should not say that you are too busy. Well, w- one, you should be busy. An unbusy Christian is an oxymoron. We should be very busy because we have the best message in the entire world, But to always talk about how busy you are and you can't get things done is the wrong focus. Everybody should be busy. Everybody has the same amount of time. The real issue is how are you stewarding your time? When people talk about not having enough margin, that's a modern buzzword that I I don't hear it as much now. I heard it a lot a few years ago. They was oh, I don't have enough margin to do this or to do that. It's just another way of saying I'm too busy. It is really more of a reflection of their poor time management than not having enough time to do the things they want to accomplish. Everybody has the same amount of time. The issue is always about how you steward your time. Number two, finite. It is critical that you acknowledge your finitude. God did not call you to do everything. God did not call you to be everybody's solution provider. You're supposed to work within parameters. You work within boundaries. And if you do not guard your limitations, the fact that you are finite, you will unravel. There is wisdom in saying no to the things that people ask you. If you are not willing to implement this monosyllabic means of grace into your life, no, there'll be no breaks to keep you out of the ditches of exhaustion and also bitterness. It would probably do you well to go through the four Gospels and and highlight every time Jesus said no or every time that Jesus did not respond promptly to what people were demanding of him. Many times he just said no. No. Other times, he just put things on hold. Still other times, he pulled away from individuals or multitudes that he did not do what they asked him to do, learn the wisdom of saying, no, you cannot be everybody's solution provider. Some people will say, I heard it said of one lady one time, they said that she had the gift of mercy, and that's why she's always overwhelmed. The truth is, she didn't have the gift of mercy. She had fear. She couldn't say, or let me state it more accurately, she wouldn't say no to anyone Because she was afraid to say no, because she was crippled by the fear of man. She was crippled by what people thought about her, and their opinion mattered more to her than God's opinion of her. Therefore, she acquiesced to everything that was ever requested of her. And it was spiritualized as though she had the gift of mercy, and I I felt so sad inside. That's not the gift of mercy. That's the curse of Adam. That is a fearful woman. Tip number one is time. Everybody has the same amount of time. The question is, are you stewarding it well? Tip tip number two is finite. You must understand that you're not everyone's solution provider. Guard your limitation or you will unravel. Tip number three, priorities. You should make it a requirement to establish God-centered priorities. Your priorities will give you the tips you need when, when things and people are demanding your time. If you have priorities pre-established, you have the tips you need. You'll know how to respond when somebody comes to you and asks this, that, or the other. Rick and Lucia decided to set up our priorities in concentric circles with the most important things in our lives closer to the center while working out from most significant to least critical. And so our priorities roll out like this, from the most important to the least important. And there's six of them. Number one, two, three, four, five, six. The most important for me is me. This is why I was saying earlier, in fact, you can read this article embedded here, why I am number one in my life. This is one of the few times, maybe the only time, Well, maybe there's two times. You're number one. You're the chief of sinners. But here's a second time when you should think of yourself as number one. Because if you do not take care of yourself physically and spiritually, you will not be able to help anyone else. Do not overlook yourself. And so I mean that in the most God-centered, bibliocentric way. I am not talking about being self-centered. Number two is Lucia. My wife is more important as far as another human being. She's more important than anyone else. Our children are number three. And those are our, you could say Jesus is in the middle. Peter, James, and John are are next. And then the disciples are next. And so that's the way it works out for us. I'm in the center. Lucia is next. The children are third. And they know this. Our children know this. Lucia knows this. We've talked about this. And if you don't take care of your infrastructure, your family, then everything else will start to, to crumble outside of that. And I've said this in other podcasts, but too often people will see ministry as that thing they do out there. No, you minister to yourself. If you're married, you minister to your spouse next. If you have children, you minister to them. Number four, church, friends, family. Those things can interact and shift and change, but church, friends, family. You remember what Jesus said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Those who do the will of God. Sometimes church will uh, have a higher priority than even family. But church, friends, and family, number four. Number five, the community at large, and that could be as you interact in your own local community. And then number six, the world. Now, my employment must not dominate these inner priorities, my, as, as, I did, as, it, as it did in the illustration that I opened with in this podcast. My employment must, must not dominate me, not taking care of myself physically, spiritually, Not taking care of my wife, serving her, not serving my children. Work is a vehicle to serve our more essential things in life, which are summed up in the two great commandments of loving God and loving others. If work is not considered as a vehicle to accomplish loving God and loving others, then work is out of order. So number three is priorities. Number four, cooperate. Because I am married, we have to work on our priorities together. We are one flesh, not two independent entities. We are, quote, Christ and the church, end quote. We're one corporate un- unit. Lucy and I are an autonomous domestic empire together, as Paul taught in Ephesians 5, 25 and following. Talking about our calendar is almost... daily occurrence in our marriage i think it would be accurate to say it is a daily occurrence in our marriage we talk about our calendar almost or maybe as much as we talk about anything else in our lives now we have several calendars we have a family calendar we have a work calendar we have a school calendar and lucia and i have we have strengths and weaknesses and but because we are one flesh. It would be easy to pull in opposite directions. This frenetic truth makes synchronization of priorities, goals, objectives, a core to our communication. And so cooperativeness removes competition. And so we're not pulling in different directions because we're one flesh. We're synchronized. We have the same priorities, the same goals, the same objectives, and those things are core to our communication. We're working for the same cause while pulling in the same direction. Tip number four, you must cooperate with those who are part of your family unit. Number five, flex. Because there are seasons in life, there is a need to have spontaneity within your structure. Now, those two words are important, spontaneity and structure. You don't want to be so structured that there's no room for the Holy Spirit. There's no spontaneity. Uh, There's no moments where you can do those things that God is leading you to do, but they weren't in your calendar. But then you have other people who are so spontaneous, and there's no structure. They're all over the map, and they're controlled by whichever way the wind blows. And so there are seasons in life, and there needs to be both spontaneity and structure. When our business was a startup, this ministry, when it was a startup— There was a lot more time devoted to the task of work. It was a long season that had a termination point, and that's what you will find about seasons. When I completed my MA in biblical counseling, that was another season in our life during the early years of our marriage. When Lucia was pregnant with our three children, we had to adjust to accommodate each of those 12-month seasons of our lives, nine months for a pregnancy that required both of our care and utmost attention. And in three months after the birth of our three children for adapting for this new addition, which was different for each each one. And our children represent an extended season where there are elevated priorities regarding their character development. We want to focus on their characters, especially during the early years, the formative years. It was imperative That we focused on them during the first 10 years of their lives, especially up to about seven and eight years of age, where we were doing a ton of character development in those early years, hoping that that intentional time will impact how they live as adults in God's world. And so there are all kinds of seasons in your life, and so you want to be able to flex according to those seasons, realizing that there's a termination point. Number six, accessibility. All people are not created equal when it comes to time management. The only person who gives equal access to all of us is God, and I am not him. Being omnipresent, being omnipotent, being omniscient are perks when it comes to interacting with every person equally. One of the questions that I have to ask myself about people is, And I don't ask a person this, but I'm asking this about a person. Do you want my attention or do you want my care? That's an important question. I cannot give every person that comes to me my undivided attention. That is dumb. It's not logical. And it's not possible because I'm not. I'm not present. I'm not omnipotent. I'm not omniscient. I can give a lot of people my care. But I can only give a few people my attention. Jesus worked like this when he lived among us. He helped a lot of people by focusing on a few people, his disciples. The multitudes did not have equal access to him, but they could be assisted by him as they received his care through those that he trained. I'm thinking specifically of those who uh, were there that day when he fed the multitudes. Jesus blessed many, but it was his disciples that were doing the work of distributing the food. All people are not created equal when it comes to time management, and it's important. That's why I have an article here, The Wisdom of Handpicking Your Friends. Tip number seven, misunderstood. Because some people feel entitled They will expect you to drop what you're doing to serve them. This is an hourly occurrence on Facebook and other social media platforms. We have almost 20 social media platforms, and we receive requests from all of them about different things. Hey, would you answer my question? And they expect you to drop what you're doing to serve them. If I did that, I would accomplish nothing. When you give them other options besides your undivided attention, they may respond with anger at you and that has happened so many times people toward to me because I will tell them if you won't help do this. I just told uh, our staff just a few moments ago before I started this podcast. They were asking a, a question and and one of the things that I one of the things that I I said to them is that you're not going to be able to help everybody, but we must have ways of helping them that are wise. We don't, we don't turn that are wise. We don't turn anyone away. We will never turn anyone away, but we must be wise in how we help them. Otherwise, we will be so frazzled that we will not be able to help anyone. Now, God must mortify any fear of man issues that you may have when it comes to not accommodating everyone according to how They want you to provide for them. And the other thing that I told our staff is is that if it is really important to them, if it is really important to them, they are going to do what we ask them to do in order to get their question answered. In most cases, and what you will find is that the question is just not that important to the individual. But if you answered everything that came, if we answered everything that came to us our ministry would literally shut down. Now, there is a need for thick skin when it comes to how you interact with an entitled world. Now, this perspective does not mean you should be rude or uncaring, but it does say you must have a God-centered system. You must have a way of helping people that doesn't kill you. If you do not, you may be tempted to sin when people's expectations of how you should run your life runs all over you. The title of the podcast is nine tips for managing your life and calendar. Number one, I talked about time. Number two, I talked about being finite. Number three, I talked about priorities. Number four, I talked about cooperating with your spouse or whoever your close network of friends are. Number five, I talked about being flexible, not all structure, have some spontaneity. Number six, be accessible. Tip number seven, you'll be misunderstood when you ask them to do this way in order to get help, but they don't. Number eight, onus. One of the most useful things you can do for others is, to, is put to work on them rather on you. Many times during my week, a person will want to, quote, pick my brain about a topic Usually, they will ask to meet via social media or for coffee. Now, these meetings can be, especially a coffee meeting, up to three hours of my time. By the time, I set aside what I need to do, drive to the meeting, have the meeting, return from the meeting, and re-sync with my daily task. The individual is unwittingly, and it's true, unwittingly, they're not thinking about this. They're not thinking about me at all, actually. They're thinking about themselves and what's convenient for them. But unwittingly, they're asking me to give up 180 minutes of my time when they could take a few minutes of their time to find the answers that they're looking for without me being in front of them. It is easier to ask me from their perspective. It's easier to ask me a question than for them to do the work through the means that we provide for them. Tip number nine, be practical. This dilemma of having so many people and trying to help them without killing yourself is why we've set up a way for thousands of people to find answers they are looking for from us. Though it is impossible to spread me so thin that I cannot serve my main priorities myself, my wife, my children there is a way to help others while not becoming frustrated or depleted physically or spiritually. Now, the rest of this podcast, I just want to skip the rock across the water and give you a few practical tips from a more extensive list of ideas that Lucia and I use to serve others. I won't give you all of them. I'll just give you a few things that how we think about this and our worldview and some practical things that we do. And if you can implement some of these tips, I think it will serve you well. If you don't, it could cause irreparable harm in your marriage. Number one, meetings. Now, this, this is tip number nine, practical, and so I want to give you a few practical ideas. Number one, meetings. I call every event on my calendar a meeting, and I never feel obligated to tell people what kind of meeting that I'm having. For example, for years when my children were younger, I had a meeting with them individually. I took one of them out for lunch. I, if someone were to ask me to meet on Tuesday at noon, I would say, I have a meeting, And they would have to find another time to meet with me. But that meeting would be with one of my children or with my wife. And so we call everything a meeting. It just keeps it simple. And people don't have to know exactly what we're doing. Because sometimes people will get upset to think that, oh, you're going out with your wife when I have this crisis in my life. Number two, the boss. The boss is my wife. Lucia runs my calendar. I do not It is rare for me to put anything on my schedule. There are too many moving parts. There are three calendars, as I mentioned earlier. If someone were to ask to meet with me, I'd say, hey, you need to call Lucia and ask her. You need to talk to the boss. You need to talk to the boss about that. Now, this response accomplishes several things. If they genuinely want to meet with me, they'll have to do the work. I'm putting the honest on them. Tip number eight. I get a lot of requests for meetings many of which do not happen because people do not follow through with their initial request. And because Lucia has so many requests floating in cyberspace, if I put something on the calendar, it might interfere with what she has promised someone. And it also keeps us working off our calendar, and I can do what she tells me to do. I rarely look at my schedule before midnight of the night before because it changes virtually every 30 minutes. There's no need for me to view two days in advance because that may have been on the calendar or what may have been on the calendar changes it. And so we have, we call everything meetings. Lucia is the boss. We set up blocks within our calendar. We create blocks and to accomplish things that fit within our priorities. Let me give you a few sample blocks to give you an illustration of how we block things out in our calendar. I will ask Lucia for an admin week. And admin week is where I do nothing but administration. We have several administrators working for us, but that is not enough. Most of our business is administration. She'll block out a week-long vacation or day trips with the family. We call them meetings. If I'm at the beach with my family, we're in a meeting, a critical one, I might add. She'll block out dates for herself with me or times for me to be with our children She'll block out the doctor, financial meetings, or other important times when we need to meet with people. She blocks out my physical fitness schedule. So we put these blocks in the calendar, and they're non-negotiable. And because they're preset, we know that we can't meet on those days. And then email. There used to be a time where I got this little note from AOL that said, you have mail. And I liked that. It made me feel special. I no longer have that feeling. I don't feel special anymore. I get overrun with email. Now, I love helping people. I cannot imagine any other way to live than how I live now, helping people. But there must be a way of doing this without feeling like a remake of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds movie. One of the things I've had to do is not respond to all of my email. Supporting folks through email is part of the responsibility of our admin team, not me. And so we do have the ability to have other people work in our email traffic as well as work in our Facebook page and then common request. Because there are no new things under the sun, it is rare for a person to ask a question that someone has not asked previously. This redundancy is the beauty of the word of God. The Lord gave us his word which answers all things about life and godliness. He doesn't have to keep adding to his word. He gave it to us one time. He never answers anything new. And we have followed his lead by codifying some of the most often asked questions. If it's about a meeting or someone needing direction, we have developed a file full of answers that lead people to where they are searching. If people are looking for life answers, we can direct them to our website. I've spent thousands of hours writing about life situations. For those who want more of our time, we have provided a membership site so they can have greater access to our resources and to our team. Though this is not a counseling site where a person can receive ongoing counseling, they can receive coaching on any number of questions. Now, everything that I said here are just some of the ways the Lord has enabled us to help others. And because of some of these ideas and several more, we're, we're able to help hundreds of thousands of people every year. We never turn anyone away by the grace of God. Everyone receives help, but there is a way for that to happen that does not encroach our own, our main priorities, which is our marriage and family. And now when the phone rings, the person can receive help, and our marriage is not interrupted. If you would like to talk to me, jump on our forums. It would be a joy to serve you. Read this article, Nine Tips for Managing Your Life and Your Calendar.